Well, good morning and Merry Christmas, 1030 people at Good Shepherd. I am Talbot Davis. I'm the pastor here. I know a lot of you are engaging live in our worship center. Others of you are live stream and others of you are live streaming and live at the same time. And you're like, how does that work? That's because our K zone, a lot of people moved and sat in there so that you could sit in here. Uh, however you're engaging, I'm really glad that you are glad for this morning. And as the video suggested, we are in a series called The Promise of Christmas. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at promises delayed and broken promises and promise breakers. And today's the really good news, promise kept. And to take us into that particular message, if you have your Bible with you, you're like, first of all, if you have your Bible with you, you're like super religious on Christmas Eve, so well done. And maybe your Bible looks like mine and it looks like a book. Go ahead and find Matthew chapter 1 and verses 18 through 25. Perhaps your Bible is located on your phone, so you always have it with you, which is kind of awesome. Scroll to Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have either of those options, the good news is we provided for you because the verses will be up on the screen just when they need to be. And uh, we, we go through that. We like to ensure that you're seeing script, scripture for yourself because... We, we believe a couple of things about the Bible that you may or may not know. And, and one of those things is that this thing that looks like a book is absolutely not a book. It is a library. And here's the good news for today as we look at the Gospel of Matthew. Within the larger library of the Bible, there, there's a micro library of biographies about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And within that micro library, we're looking at one of the biographies about Jesus, the one that Matthew puts together. And that's just a fact, a fact that a lot of people don't know, but we really like to remember around. It'd probably go on my marker, not book, is library, will be my lasting contribution to the human race. And the second thing, and this is where we have a deep conviction that you may or may not share is that we believe that this is a divinely inspired library, that, that God breathed his life into Matthew's words and he put his truth on Matthew's pages. And, and you may be wrestling with that or may not believe it yet, or you may be like, yeah, thank you for stating that. We just believe it. It's the core of who we are. And out of that conviction comes a custom. When we talk about the Bible together, we lift it up at Good Shepherd Church. And I'm sure there are Bibles being lifted in the K-Zone and Bibles being lifted at your home. And, and if you've never been here before, you're like, this is a kind of a, a, a weird thing. And we're like, yeah, it is. But we've discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community. That we're a collection of people who do not have life figured out. Can I hear an amen for that? But we know who does, and we're glad to surrender to his authority. Amen. Before I say anything, thank you for that. Yes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're a good God, and thank you that you uh, empower people to go beyond themselves. And thank you for inspiring Matthew to record Jesus' story with such accuracy and truth and beauty. And so I pray, Lord, that you would fill me fresh, new, full, with your Holy Spirit and do the same in the lives of everyone within the sound of my voice. So it would be unmistakable that we've been in your presence, saturated in your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Well, if you are at, um, at all like me, it remains to be seen whether that's a good thing or not, but if you're at all like me, you, you may look at people going through life and you, and you wonder, well, why do you make such a big deal out of all that stuff? Why, why, why all the fuss on these seasons and events in your life? Like you're watching people get ready for a wedding these days. You're like, why are you making such a big deal out of that? Or you, you, you watch them get all, this is guys and girls, you, got, you watch them get all dolled up for a night on the town and and you're like, why are you making such a big deal out of that? You, you, you watch a family celebrate a graduation and, and you're like, why are you making such a big deal out of that? And, and of all those, why are you making such a big deal things that we go through in life? Man, is it not true of Christmas? You look at the things that people do and the ways that people prepare for Christmas, and you're like, why are you making such a big deal out of it all? You're like, you look at a house like this. <laughs> I mean, I got those people in my neighborhood, and there is just no way in the world I'm ever measuring up. So I just gave up trying to compete along. This year, if you notice all the little, this is the first year I've noticed it. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but all those little signs on the road that we will hang your Christmas, for a price, we will hang your Christmas lights for you. People make such a big deal out of Christmas, we've created an entire new industry around it. And, and, and even when it comes to church, you know why we make such a big deal with all the services and the candles and the K-Zone and all the people? Why such a big deal? And even, even Good Shepherd, from the perspective of God, why does, why does he make such a big deal about Christmas? Why was he so invested in Christmas? Now, I know that as I ask that question, there are people here within the sound of my voice and you're not really sure that there is a God. In fact, you're kind of convinced that there's not one. The only reason that you're here is because it's Christmas Eve and you got dragged here kind of out of family obligation. If that's you, raise a hand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, the, the interesting thing here is it was me. Uh, as a teenager, I'd never been to church and, and I, well, there was a Christmas Eve and some people in the family just sort of randomly decided to go and, and I got dragged to a Christmas Eve service there in Dallas, Texas and, and I didn't much believe in what was going on. It was like a whole new world with a whole new language and it didn't make a, a lot of sense and, and maybe that's the way that it is for you. The, the cool thing is, is that only two weeks after that Christmas Eve service where I sat, like some of you not believing and what the preacher was selling, not buying what the preacher was. Two weeks later, I gave Jesus my life. Yeah, now that's, that, that's a, well, I wasn't expecting that, but that, uh, that's another sermon for another time, I suppose. Uh, but, the, but the point is, I just want you to know, if you're one of those people and, and you're here because family brung you here and you don't really believe, it's okay. I, I, I know you're, I'm super glad you're here. And I just want you to listen in, maybe overhear some things that will make you understand why it is that people who call themselves Christians believe these astonishing things at Christmas. And for others of you, whether you call yourself a believer or not, a Christian or not, what we believe, I mean, have you, have you thought about it? Talk about why make it such a big deal about Christmas. 
Have you thought about the absolute absurdity of what it is we believe? That the God who created the universe somehow compressed, condensed, miniaturized himself and so that he fit into a cell, a single cell that fertilized an egg that implanted as an embryo in the womb of a very young mother and grew to prenatal maturity, that the God of the universe did all that. Talk about what making a big deal. The God of the universe did all of that. And then once he was born, have you thought literally about what it means to believe that God became a, God was born as a baby? I love this that I came across from, uh, from another pastor. And, and so I just want to share it with you. I just thought it was so good. Talking about Jesus leaving heaven, becoming a baby. Unimaginably rich, he's born in a barn. Unspeakably powerful, he cannot even control his bowel movements. Babies can't. Baby Jesus couldn't. I'm a new grandfather since September. Babies can't. <laughs> And they can't, and they can't. Undeniably satisfied, he's born on the edges of starvation, undoubtedly adored by all of heaven. He is considered a no one by all but his mother and his father. And we believe all that. And so the question becomes, well, why, why did God invade? I mean, he wasn't invited. What did God invade planet Earth in this unpredictable, unsuspecting, kind of gross way? Why did God do all of that? And, and, and as you ponder that question, some of you may think, well, he, he did all that. He kept that promise. He, he did all that so that he, he would be with us. Because isn't it nice to know that you're not going through life alone? And, and, and that's good. That's cool. That's part of it. It's not the core. And other, others of you may, may think, well, why did God come? Why, my, why make such a big deal about Christmas? And, and you may think it's so that we could live as Jesus taught. You, you know, all that stuff about love your enemies and do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And you're like, that came from Jesus? Yes, it came from Jesus. And, 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 and that's cool. And man, we, we love to talk and to teach Good Shepherd about how the, the coming of Jesus impacts the character of our lives. But even that's not the core. And, and then some of you may even think, well, the reason God went through all that to become a baby and be, get born at Christmas is so that we would have one really special day a year because life can get so mundane, life can be so heavy. Isn't it great to have one day where virtually everybody sells? Isn't that, can I hear an amen for that? At least one day. As good as that is, as glad as I am for it, that's not the real answer instead. The answer to the question, why do you make such a big deal about Christmas? Why did God become a cell and an embryo and a baby? The answer to that comes in, in a comment that an angel gives to Joseph engaged to Mary, and almost an oh-by-the-way comment, a, a, an aside. 
Now, that can, we, can we acknowledge that having a conversation with an angel is not an everyday kind of occurrence? I mean, I didn't have one this week, at least, and I doubt that many of you did. And especially having a conversation with an angel, as the angel explains to you, while you why, why it is that you're fixing, Joe, you're fixing to be a father with a woman that neither you nor any other man have ever touched. And in the middle of that conversation... Look at what the angel says to Joseph in verses 20 and 21. But after he had considered this, meaning he was, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, he was thinking of, of divorcing her, which is something that you could do when you were engaged in ancient times. The, an angel of the Lord appeared to, to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. So, Joe, you're not only getting ready to be a father, supposedly on earth, you've got to name the boy Jesus because that means the Lord saves, because he is going to save people from their sins. And when I say that that little, oh, by the way, that aside from an angel answers the ultimate questions of Christmas, I say that because you got to have, you got to have an accurate diagnosis of what it really is that you and you and you and you need more than anything else in life. You got to have that need diagnosed before you can have any kind of solution delivered. And the thing is, so many people, when you ask them, what do you need more than anything else in your life? They get the answer completely wrong. It sounds good. It's absolutely wrong. Like I bet a lot of you, if I were to ask you, what, what do you want more than anything else in life? You say, to be happy. And that's fine, and that's good. I guess I like it when, people, when happiness breaks through, when people have a happy meal at, at McDonald's. But, but I want you to know the most unhappy people I know are those who pursue happiness as their goal in life. Did you hear that? The most unhappy people in the world are those who long more than anything else to be happy. And then others of you, if I asked you, what do you need more than anything else in life? You'd, you'd say, ah, a few more awards, another promotion, some recognition, some achievement, and that's good, and that's fine, and I love it when it breaks through. But I can tell you from personal experience that the most miserable people you'll meet are the ones who think life is all about what you do, what you accomplished, and what kind of reputation you have. It's never enough. He says, out of personal experience. And then others of you, what, what, what do you want more than anything else? I just want to be peace. I just want to have some peace. I'm tired of all this anxiety. I just want to be chill. And that's good. That's great when it happens. It's just that so many of you seek that peace without ever seeking its source. It's like you want to jump in the river without ever pondering where that river actually came from. No, good shepherd, the actual answer to what is your greatest need in life, whether you know it or not, whether you admit it or not, maybe especially if you refuse to admit it, is to have 
your issue dealt with that this angel describes to Joseph with that old-fashioned word, sin. He will save the people from their sins. And you're like, oh, Talbot, why do you have to introduce such a dark and controversial topic on Christmas Eve like sin? Because you may have relegated sin to just something that people with a deep southern accent, they, they say sin, and you may, ah, you laugh it off. You know what sin is? You know what rebellion with God actually is? It's, it's what you do and how you think when you think you know what's best for you better than God does. That's what sin is. When you think you know what is best for you better than God does. And there's a whole, because I know you all, a lot of you at least, and there's a whole lot of you within the sound of my voice. And you can tell me all kinds of mayhem you have fallen into and all kinds of chaos you have created because you went through that season in life where you were sure you knew what was best for you better than God does. And that explains that season in rehab. That explains that arrest. That explains that broken family you left behind. That's what sin is. And some of you paid the price for it and you didn't even realize it. And your greatest need and my greatest need is to have that tendency that we all have to think we know what's best for us better than God does, to have it dealt with and forgiven. Because know this, the wood of the cradle, the cradle in the dirt that they put Jesus in, made out of a tree that Jesus created that that always points to the wood of the cross on which they hung him, also made out of a tree that Jesus created. The nurture of the manger always, always points to the torture of the cross because it was on that cross that Jesus literally took the seat that belonged to you, the seat of getting what you deserve. If, if you're like, well, I just hope they get what they deserve. I, do, do you want to get what you deserve? No. <laughs> Karma is when you get what you deserve. But hallelujah, we don't believe in karma. We believe in grace. And in grace, Jesus got what you deserve. And because Jesus got what you deserve, because the nurture of the manger points to the torture of the cross, all of us, in the answer to that biggest question, what do you need more than anything else, is to have that rebellion dealt with. And that, good shepherd, is why Christmas, why make such a big deal about Christmas. Because here it is, when you internalize what it was the angel was saying to Joseph, here it is, he invaded earth so you could inhabit heaven. Yeah, he, he landed in history so you could delight for all of eternity. He came down so you could go up because when he came down, he dealt, the, the separation that currently exists between you and God, you're like, well, why, why, did I, why did I have all that time in jail? Why did I go to rehab? Why do I have all these problems? Because there's separation between you and God and Jesus is the only one who covers that separation up. And he invaded earth so that you could inhabit heaven. And the nurture of the manger always points to the torture 
of the cross. And I would hate, I would hate for anyone to connect today at Good Shepherd and to somehow think that Christmas was about nice candles and Christmas was about large crowds and Christmas was about cool music and never really understand that Christmas is about addressing your deepest need, even if you don't acknowledge what that need is. And I just want to invite you. I just want, I've been praying that you would be saturated with his love so that you, your eyes would be open and your heart would be softened and, and it would be, oh yeah, the more I chase after happiness, the more elusive it becomes. The, the more I long for achievement, the less every achievement satisfies. But the more I chase after Jesus, the more he completes me. The more that I recognize that Jesus is all and is in all, the more that I recognize that the best thing about my life is that I depend on Jesus Christ for everything. And I can wake up every morning and acknowledge that. When you get to that glorious place where your life doesn't belong to you anymore, then and only then will you understand why make such a big deal about Christmas? He invaded earth so that you could inhabit heaven. We don't know what heaven will be like. We don't know what it will be like when Jesus brings heaven here, which is how everything ends up at the end of everything. We don't know what it'll be like. We just know it will be good because we know who rules. And when you know who rules... That you, then everything in this life makes sense because it all pales in comparison to the goodness that awaits you in the next one. He invaded earth so you could inhabit heaven. And that sweet little cradle in the dirt points always to the torture on the cross, which points to the victory of the resurrection. It was interesting generation ago or, or so ago, they, they did a survey where they asked some of the wealthiest people in the United States, the one percenters, did, did you get the call? <laughs> I, I must not have been answering the phone that day, but they asked the one percenters, how much of your wealth, let's say the one percenters then was a, because it was a generation ago, a billion dollars. I mean, we know that's nothing today, but it was a billion dollars. How much of your billion-dollar portfolio would you invest for certain benefits? Well, that was that other thing I read. I don't need to read that. So uh, wh wh how much of your billion-dollar portfolio? Well, it was interesting. For beauty, the, the answer was 10%. They, they would invest $100 million of their billion-dollar portfolio for beauty. For uh, talent, they would invest 12%, yeah, $120 million of the billion portfolio portfolio for talent. For education, it was 15%. For, for true love, woo, if you could just send me, that's way better than matchcott.com. If you could just send me true love, uh, it was 20%, $200 million. And then the interesting one, one was, how much would you invest from your portfolio for uh, eternal bliss? If you could be sure of, sure of eternity, how much would you invest? And, and that the one percenters said 25%, $250 million out of my billion dollar portfolio, I would invest 
for eternal bliss, one quarter. Such a contrast. We would invest one quarter for ourselves and Jesus paid it all for us because he's not a 10% God and he's not a 15% God. He's not a 20% God. He is a paid it all, not paid it some savior. You, good shepherd, have been bought. And I want you to realize that on Christmas, what good news that is. And if you're ever wondering why are we making such a big deal about this? Why all the fuss? It's all so that the one who bought you, he invaded earth so that you could inhabit heaven. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would soak this room, soak every realm within the sound of my voice with your love. So even people now would stop thinking they know what's best for their lives better than you do and would surrender to the glorious truth of being bought and would acknowledge the king in the manger throne. For we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.